we were talking this week about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, uh, as, um, as I was thinking about this, because uh, as we'll see later, the word for way is like very literal. It means like road or path. Um, and so, as I was like researching and thinking about this and preparing, uh, I started thinking about like roads and, I don't know, roads. So, uh, and this one story just couldn't get out of my head, and I don't know if it's uh, because Tio's in another country and I miss him, or if it's just because roads. But um, last year, about this time actually, uh, just early January, I went on a road trip um, with two friends, Ben Powell and Tio, if you know them. Um, and we drove, um, it's crazy, we drove from Tuscaloosa to Detroit, and from Detroit to Toronto, Toronto to Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania back home. Um, and all three of us are Alabama boys, and this was in January, so um, it was crazy. <laughs> we almost got stuck in the snow in Pennsylvania, and it was, it was scary. Scary for some Bama boys. But anyways, um, I, when I was thinking about this, I thought about uh, when we went to Canada. Because, um, so Tio and Ben and I, we were staying with our friend Tim in Detroit, and then we were all going to go to Toronto for two days, and then Tim was going to go back home, and we were going to continue on our trip. Um, And so Ben and Tio and I decided, hey, let's go to Toronto early tomorrow. We'll see some of the city. We'll find a cool place to eat lunch, and then Tim will meet up with us later, because Tim doesn't like getting up early. So, uh, so... We woke up at like 6 a.m. and hit the road because it was about a two-hour drive. Um, and so we wanted to be there by like 8, 8.30, have tons of time in the city, have a full day basically. Um, and so it's great. We're driving. We're driving through Michigan. I have this really cool picture I'll show you sometime of like a sunset, sunset, sunrise, not sunset, sunrise coming up like in this small like Michigan town. Um, and then we jump on this really sketchy ferry that only carries two cars and we like cross the river and now like we're in Canada. It's just like magical. Um, <laughs> and so like this is all great and fun, but um, we have no idea how to get to Toronto, so we've been, like, mapsing it and all the things. And then we cross over to Canada and realize, hey, we can't use our phones over here. So we go ahead and, like, turn those off, turn our data off and everything so we don't get any crazy charges. Um, but we were prepared, or we, we thought we were prepared, um, because we had screenshotted, like, the directions from, like, once we get to Canada all the way to Toronto, because that made sense. Um, but turns out we had used Apple Maps to get into Canada, and we had screenshotted directions from Google Maps. Yeah, so turns out they were not the right directions. <laughs> and so uh, I remember the first instruction was, turn right on King Road. And we're like, okay, that seems easy enough. So we get on the other side of the river, and we're like, all right, let's go right. And I was like, hey, you know, that's not, this isn't King Road. And he's like, oh, it's fine. Like, this is the first turn. Like, we're going to be all right. And so we turn right, and we're going for a ways, but we're like staying like right next to the river. And so I was like, I feel like we're not going anywhere. Like, this isn't right. We should be going like into the land, not like next to the water. And, but we keep going. Eventually, it's a dead end. So I was like, okay, so this is not King Road, like I said, like, 20 minutes ago. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and eventually, uh, so from customs, we tried going right, we tried going left, we tried going straight, but then eventually we wound up back at customs. And so eventually it took Tio um, using some data and costing his parents some money, which they got mad about, um, to get us on the right track and eventually to Toronto. Um, but I was just thankful that, you know, even though we weren't on the right path that we had directions for, we were headed, like, in a similar direction. And so that's kind of cool how in life, like, paths, um, even if it's not the same path, sometimes they head in a similar direction. So, yeah, so we're talking about how Jesus is the road, basically, tonight. Um, And that's just a little story about roads in my life. (laughs) Um, So, like I said, we're in John 14, so if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, While you're turning there, uh, go ahead and just look at chapters 12 and 13, just kind of skim it. Notice that in chapter 12, um, we have, um, like... Uh, Mary anointing Jesus' feet, and then we have the triumphal entry. So, like, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, um, and this is when everybody is waving palm branches and laying their cloaks on the ground for him, and he's riding on a donkey. Uh, And then notice chapter 13 um, is where Jesus is washing their feet. So they're now in the upper room. They're about to celebrate Passover. So Jesus has washed their feet. And then also Jesus has said, hey, one of you is going to betray me. So that conversation has gone down. So basically some takeaways from this is that kind of where we are in the story is that we're in the last like two days of Jesus' life. Um, And so Jesus is is starting to tell us some things that he hasn't really talked too much about before. Um, And... The disciples, you know, are kind of freaking out here. Um, and so why is that? That's because um, during the triumphal entry, a bunch of Jews and many of the disciples also thought that Jesus is the Messiah, right? That's what they're all celebrating, which is, you know, true. But their understanding of the Messiah was that he was going to come and, like, overthrow the Romans, basically, and set up his own, like, kingdom, and he was going to be, like, a god king, and they were going to just, like, be awesome and rule and have a great time. Um, and Jesus now, because that, so that's what they're expecting. They're expecting, like, this huge political upheaval, um, and so they celebrate him coming in the city. They're like, yeah, this is happening. It's happening now. And then Jesus gets there, and what's he start saying? But in chapter 13, towards the end, he starts talking about, hey, like, I'm about to leave. And you can't, you can't go where I'm going. And then uh, we're going to see in our verses, he says the same, something similar. He says that he's leaving. So it's not what the disciples are expecting. It's not what the Jews are expecting. And so they have lots of questions. And so that's kind of what we're going to um, dig into tonight. And that's where we are when uh, we read our verses. So we're in chapter 14 now. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 7. This is what it says. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me, so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place I'm going. It's important, verse 4. You know the way to the place I'm going. So Thomas comes up and he's like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. 
So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So I kind of want to take a big picture approach here, and then we're going to kind of narrow things down. Um, And you kind of see that in your outline. We're going to talk about each of the... Uh, each of Jesus' claims specifically. But big picture is uh, the gospel, basically. It's the message that like God created the world, and Adam and Eve, originally, they had communion with God, so they, like, they were close with God, they had a relationship with Him. They had knowledge of God and who He is and what He was like. And they had like spiritual life, and they had a fulfilling life. And then... Uh, one of these days, Adam and Eve, they thought to themselves, you know, like, God, your rules, I think I could do better. Like, I think I understand what I want and need better than you understand me. I think I can take this. I think I can do this by myself. I don't think I need you anymore. And so that is the start of sin. And they say, hey, we don't need you. We don't need your rules. We're going to do things our way. Uh, and so Adam and Eve sin, and because sin has entered the world, our world is full of brokenness and pain and hurt. Uh, but specifically, now because of sin, we're alienated from God. So instead of having community with Him and knowing Him, we're alienated, separated from Him. And we are now ignorant to the truth, so we don't know the truth about who God is and what He's like. And we're condemned to spiritual and eventually physical death. Um, so because of sin, all these things happen. Um, And here in this verse, Jesus is claiming that he is the way back to a right relationship with God. That's what he's talking about when he's saying, hey, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He's saying, I'm the way back to a right relationship with God. And so we're going to kind of look at each of these three claims and talk about them specifically. So first, Jesus is claiming to be the way. Um, And at the time, Jesus is foreshadowing what's about to happen on the cross. He's foreshadowing, hey, like, I'm about to do something really, really big. I'm about to have a huge sacrifice for you guys. Um, And so he's kind of foreshadowing that. Um, And I want to be uh, kind of particular with each of these claims because it's really easy, I think, for us to approach them and say, cool, there's a road, Jesus made it, so now we just have to follow the road. But that would be legalism, and that's not what Jesus is saying. So Jesus is not saying, hey, I made a road, follow the road. So Jesus is not saying, hey, I'm a construction worker, and I made this road for you, and now I'm just going to sit over here. You just, like, follow my road. You just do the rest. Like, I made the road. You just come. That's not what's going on. Instead, Jesus is saying, I am the road. And so that radically changes it. Because now every step we take towards God is a step reliant on the road, on Jesus. Because he just claimed to be the road. And so that means we're relying on him in like two major ways here. So we're relying on his like direction. We're saying, hey, this road is going to lead me in the right way. This, this road leads to God. So we're trusting in that. And then we're also trusting that this road can support us. We're saying, hey, uh, this road, it goes over some, some rocks or it goes over some, some water, goes over a mountain and goes through some tunnels, but this road is safe for me. 
And this road, when I step on it, I know it's going to hold me up. And I know this is a safe road. And so Jesus is claiming to be the way back to God. He's claiming to be the right way back to God. He's claiming to be a safe way back to God. And so that's what he's claiming when he says he's the way. He's not saying that he's already done it and now you, you need to do it. He's saying he has done it and you just need to follow and trust in him. Um, and so this is important to us because it has some application. It shows us that every step of the Christian life is dependent on the gospel. And that's important because I think it's really easy um, as a Christian, I know I've experienced in my own life, um, to say, hey, like, okay, this gospel thing, I got it. Let me go work on, like, my fruits of the Spirit. Or let me go work on whatever, this, that, the other. Let me, let me be a better person now. Now that I understand the gospel, let me just be a better person. And that's, that's what being Christian looks like. Because that's, that's not what being a Christian looks like. Um, every step we take towards God depends on the gospel. And so that's the first thing that Jesus claims, is that he's the way the way back. And so now we're going to look at uh, how Jesus is the truth. Um, And as we look at truth in life, just before we get into it, um, know that Jesus is the way to God precisely because he is the truth and because he's the life of God. And so these two next statements, these two next claims, they kind of support our first claim. They're not less important, but they're kind of showing us how Jesus is the way. They're kind of um, working that out for us and explaining it more to us. So, and next, Jesus claims he is the truth. And so this word here, um, it means like truth in general, really. But uh, specifically, uh, it means truth about God and who he is. Um, another way that you can think about this is like, um, Jesus is the reality about God. He shows us what's real about God. And so uh, I also want to be kind of picky with this, and I'm going to do this with each one, so prepare yourself. But um, Jesus doesn't just have true teachings about God. Jesus didn't just come as a teacher and say, hey, this is what God's like, or this is is what he does. He didn't just, like, say it. Like, Jesus is what is true about God. And so what I mean by that, if you want to flip to Colossians 1, verse 15... It simply says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation. So it says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is showing us who God is and what he's like. Uh, What Matt Chandler said is, Matt Chandler said, He is God's gracious self-disclosure of himself. So God is telling us about who he is and what he's like through Jesus existing and living among us. And so Jesus is displaying God's character, God's love, God's grace, God's justice, God's mercy. He's displaying all these characteristics. And who he is, those things about Jesus, that's what is true about God. Um, And so that's what Jesus is claiming when he's claiming, hey, I'm the truth. And we can see that because he's the truth... He is the way. So you see how if he wasn't what was true about God, if he told us false things about God, he couldn't possibly be the way to God because he wouldn't be leading us in the correct direction. So because Jesus is the truth, he is also the way. 
Okay, thirdly is the life. And uh, I'm going to kind of get on a soapbox here for a minute um, because I think as college students, we just need to hear it. Um, And so here's my claim, and then I'm going to back it up and support it and talk about it. My claim is this. um, A life without boundaries and a life without rules is no life at all. In fact, a life without rules is a life of chaos and a life that leads to death. And so if you want to see some scripture that supports this, go ahead and turn to Psalm. And it's going to be Psalm 16, verse 6. And it says, my version, I'm in the Common English Bible, so sorry if I'm a little weird today, but uh, that's me. Um, My version says, the property lines have fallen beautifully for me. Yes, I have a lovely home. But that first line there, in many versions, in ESV, I believe it says, um, the, the boundaries have fell in favorable places for me. And what it's doing there is it's referencing like God's rules for our life. Um, and it's this idea that the boundaries and the rules, they're good for us. And so I want you to know that rules are not trying to take something from you, but instead they're trying to give you a fuller and better life. Because we know that uh, sins and secrets, they just break us and they hurt us. And Jesus wants to free us from that. And he knows that uh, sin and secrets can give us anxiety and freak us out. (laughs) And oftentimes they can make us feel like a fraud or a failure. And so, Jesus and God, they've given us uh, rules and boundaries in order that we can live a life that is more full. And I think as college students, oftentimes, uh, we just don't want anything to do with rules, right? Because, like, we finally got out of the house and we're at college, and so now our parents, you know, like, they can tell us things, but, like, we can't really do anything. Like, we're at college, we're Um, I mean, for most of us, pretty far away from our parents. And for others, we're at least like 30 minutes away. Um, And so we're kind of living in our own world, and we're like doing our own thing. Um, And then we come to church, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you need to do this and do that and don't do that. And we're like, whoa, rules. And it's like, I don't have rules anywhere else in my life. Like, why should I have them here? I think that's a mindset that is dangerous, especially for us college students. Um, and I just want to remind you that the rules that the Bible sets up for us are rules that are meant to prosper us. And honestly, these rules are a gift and a blessing to us. A gift and a blessing. And if that sounds just like weird and wrong to you, then maybe you should think about it. But uh, to back this up, I want to go to Leviticus chapter 20. So we're going way back now. Um, And I want to tell you that like one purpose of these rules um, is to help us emulate God's character and to set us apart for God. And so God wants us to experience a life like him. Life as God has it is the most full and most complete life there is. And so God wants that for us. And one part of the law, like one purpose of it, there's a few, but one purpose specifically 
is to give us a life that is like that. And so Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26 says, You must be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have separated you from all other peoples to be my own. And so the law is here to help us emulate God's character and help us have a more full life. And these boundaries are a gift and a blessing. And so Jesus here is claiming to be life. And by that he's meaning Jesus lived the life that we were meant to live. Jesus lived a life where he didn't sin. He didn't ever say to God, hey, I know a better way. Instead, he always obeyed and always loved. And that's the life that was meant for us. That's the life that was meant for Adam and Eve. And um, Jesus lived that. And also, that life, apart from sin, is a life that um, is still in communion with God, still knows God, and still experiences spiritual life. So when Jesus is claiming to be the life, that's precisely what he's claiming. He's saying, I have relationship with God, and I'm not going my own way. And so you can see through this that this is another kind of supporting statement to our first statement, that Jesus is the way to God. Because if Jesus didn't have life with God, then how could he possibly show us the way to God? So, we've seen that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But um, there's one more sentence that is very important and very offensive that we need to look at. And so, it is in uh, the second half of verse 6. If you want to look at that. Um, It says this, No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is very exclusive. And many people are kind of just like not cool with that, to be honest. Many people are cool with Jesus being a way to God, but a lot of people are not cool with Jesus being the way to God. And so they say, just like, just like my story I told earlier about my roads, um, they say, hey, like you might be on the right path and you might be following the right directions or whatever, but I'm on a path too. And they would say, hey, and maybe, maybe we're not on the same path, but we're, we're headed in the same direction. Or some people would say, hey, you know, like you experience God in this way, but I experience him in another. And it's really the same God, but just, but just we're experiencing him in different ways. But the Bible is very clear, and as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the only way to God, and it's very exclusive. But if you look at all other major religions, it starts to kind of make sense. So all other major religions care about being good enough for God, and that's what we call self-righteousness. Um, And so whether it's like saying, hey, if you do good things, then good things are going to happen to you. Or if they're saying, hey, you need to live a good life, and if your life is more good than it is bad, then next time you come back to earth, then you'll have a better life. And And then you're supposed to live a good life when you have a good life, and then you'll get an even better life, and then live a good life, and on and on and on. And 
so all these things, all these religions are saying, hey, you just need to perform. You need to just do your part. God's done the rest and he's done. So you just do your job now and then we'll be fine. But the problem is, oftentimes we fail and eventually we all fail. Um, Matt Chandler, his church, the Village Church, uh, sometimes he does what he likes to call the Ten Commandments pop quiz. And so don't worry, you don't have to like look up the Ten Commandments real fast to make sure you know them. But uh, what it is, is he says, okay, so um, how many of you, like, let's start with some easy ones, right? So how many of you, like, killed somebody in the past 24 hours? Like, nobody. Cool. But then, okay, like, then, like, maybe how many people have been, like, angry at somebody in the past 24 hours? And everybody's like, yeah. And so then he's like, okay, how many of you committed adultery in the past 24 hours? And everybody's like, no. And... Uh, then he's like, okay, well, how many of you have, like, lusted in the past 24 hours? Everybody's like, yeah. It's like, okay, well, even if you got past those two, like, do you sometimes feel like um, there's just this person and uh, you don't feel like they deserve anything good because, like, they're not always doing good things, so you're like, they deserve something bad. And then sometimes it's the opposite way, though, right? Like, somebody has something good, Good happens to them, and you're like, why? Why can't that happen to me? Like, I'm doing good things. Why don't why don't good things happen to me? And that's like us coveting them and coveting what they have, um, and wishing evil upon people. Um, and it just shows us that, like, in our everyday lives, we're failing, and we are not good enough. And so, self righteousness is never going to get us to God. And beyond this, like, honestly, eventually what self-righteousness leads us to is we get to this point and we're like, God, like, here I am. I'm, I'm good, and I'm good because I'm not Bob. You know, you see Bob over there, he's doing this, that, and the other, and he's just terrible. <laughs> and, but I'm not him. I'm, I'm better than that because I'm doing these things good. And, I mean, I might be failing at this, but, like, don't worry about that. Like, I'm better than Bob, so I'm good enough for you. That's kind of where self-righteousness leads us. Um, and that's not productive or efficient um, or good enough. And uh, it kind of reminds me almost of uh, grading in law school. So in law school and in some graduate schools, if you don't know, um, you don't get like grades like we do like throughout the semester. But instead, at the very end of the semester, there's just one test. And so you take your one test. And your test isn't graded based off, like, uh, how well you did or if you answered the questions right. But instead, it's graded on a true bell curve, which means it doesn't matter how many questions you got right or how good you are. All that matters is how you did relative to everybody else. And so there's going to be, like, one person that gets 100, like, two people that get, like, maybe like a 90. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's going to be like one person who gets a zero, like two or three people that get a 10. And uh, like, so the majority of people, like they're going to end up with like 50s, 60s. You know, there's going to be some Cs, some Bs. Um, And like that kind of mindset is just brutal, right? Because you get to this point where it's like, okay, like, 
I'm going to be in the study group, but I'm not going to tell them my answers because like, I have to do better than them. But I'm going to take their answers, but I'm going to double-check them because they might be trying to lie to me to like, get me to do bad. And so it's all this conniving and um, all this. And I'm not saying that's how all, all school people are, but I'm saying that when you're worried about being better than other people, uh, your focus is in the wrong place, and it just leads you down a dark path. And so we talked about the law and its purposes for us already a little bit. But um, one other reason that we're given the law and the commandments and all these rules and boundaries is for us to realize that, like, we're not good enough and we're never going to be good enough. Um, And not only that, but they're going to point us to the one who is good enough because we didn't fulfill the rules, we didn't follow the boundaries, we've run and we've broken things, but Jesus did not. And he is the only way that we can get back to a right relationship with God. He is the only way that um, we can find the truth about God. He's the only way that we can experience true, fulfilling spiritual life with God. Um, And through Christ... We can have that relationship. In the beginning, we talked about kind of in the big picture um, that we have community with God, that we have knowledge of God and who He is, and we have a spiritual life and a meaningful, fulfilling life. And tonight, I just want to tell you that those things can be yours, but they can only be yours through Jesus. And so um, we're a little short. I mean, I'm a little early tonight, but you have some discussion questions at your table, uh, and I'm going to give you uh, some time to talk about those and discuss those. Uh, we have a, one extra question tonight, I believe, so um, take some time and talk about those, and then at the end, I'll come back up and uh, close us in prayer.